Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. Sports Talk Mississippi's Brian Haydad, along with Robbie Falk from 24-7 Sports, give you an inside look at the Bulldogs on the field, the court, and the diamond. Now, get ready for Thunder and Lightning. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Robbie Falk here with you on a Thursday morning. Thanks for joining us at supertalk.fm or wherever it is you get podcasts from. We appreciate all of you guys, our great listeners out there, especially our servicemen and women taking care of us. I want to thank our sponsors over at Strange Brew Coffee House and Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. Start your day the right way. A trip to the drive-thru at Strange Brew Coffee House or at Brupolo over in Tupelo. It'd be sort of weird if Brupolo was invading. That would be weird. No, nothing. Not a whole lot invading. They're, they're, you're picking they're, a lot of you're picking a lot of places around Winona. I, pick, I mean, it's Central Mississippi. You know, it's, it's, yeah. yeah, there's one I, thing invading. I think everybody knows is invading, and nobody wants to talk about that though. So, is it a strip club? Yeah, there's, there's one invading. I've heard. <laughs> it's just you know it's there. Uh, yeah, wherever you are in our great state or anywhere. You can get Strange Brew Coffee every morning if you want it. All you got to do is go to strangebrewcoffeehouse.com and order it for shipping. They'll bring it right to your door. What kind of coffee machine do you have? They've got you taken care of at Strange Brew Coffee, including the super awesome, fantastic, phenomenal K-Cups. Humble, I'm sorry, College Corner, collegecornerstore.com. That's the place to find maroon and white merchandise. But you can't get just anywhere else. You know, you might run into an Ole Miss fan who's just a total douche, and he's like, oh, hey, why are you wearing a not Mississippi State shirt? Are you embarrassed? And then you got to wear a Mississippi State shirt every day for a week just to prove a point to these people. Like, you know, I'm not saying that's ever happened to me or anything. I'm just saying it could happen. And that's why it's good to have College Corner around, two locations to serve you in the Jackson area. They're in Ridgeland by Fleet Feet. They're in Florida by the Half Shell. You can always shop online at collegecornerstore.com. Humble Taco. As we're recording, it's Wing Wednesday. So, you know, that would have already come to come and pass, which means it's Taco Thursday. I don't know if they advertise it as Taco Thursday, but they should. Why should Tuesday be the only day that gets taco? Because it starts with T. There's two T days in the week. Then you could have, you know, Fajita Friday and Sangria Saturday. And, you know, I don't know what goes on on Sunday, but I'm just saying these are million dollar ideas, Humble Taco. You feel free to steal them from us. And, of course, you, if you're in town, you're looking for something different, something delicious, you want some Mexican food with a different twist to it, that's what Humble Taco is for. Head over to University Drive and enjoy some great Mexican food at Humble Taco. Looking for a great suggestion for lunch? I'm going to give you Firehouse Subs. Download the free Firehouse Subs app. Place your order. It'll be ready within minutes. You pick it up. You're eating lunch. You're piling up reward points, so the next time maybe lunch is free. And, of course, if you follow Firehouse Subs on Twitter, well, then you're, you're just getting deals every day of the week, it seems like. So check them out. Locations on in Starville and Columbus, Oxford and Tupelo, Floyd and Madison. That's Firehouse Subs. Hey, Robbie. Hello, Brian. So as we are recording, it is not your birthday. But when people listen to this show, it will be your birthday. So I'm going to say happy birthday now. Thank you. You were How the old? first person to tell me happy birthday. How old are you? What, let me guess. Let me see if I can guess. 
Yes. You still have the youthful exuberance. Yes. But, and the hair is, is makes just if I always saw your hair, I think you were like 23. I'll say that. Flow, I, I'm very thankful for my hair that I'm still able to grow hair. The flow is good. I'm going to say you're 32. Almost. Okay. 33. 33. All right. So you're a little yes. older than I give you credit for. I was born in, I'm technically an 80s baby. Okay. Yeah. But I claim the 90s. Yeah, I would. I would if I were you. I, I'm an 80s. I mean, I experienced the 90s. You and I are 90s. very different. I am an 80s. Kid. You're an 80s baby. You're, you're, you are, you, you're, you're what I was in the 90s. Right. For the 80s. Right. So Stranger Things should resonate as much with you as it does way more. Very than much. Way more with me. Way more. But I love, I love the 80s and I love the 90s. Those are probably two of my favorite decades. Have you finished the, the, the first? Have you finished the seven? I episodes? just finished episode four last night. In, and, in the uh, seventh episode, there's a light bright. And that was just like, oh, my God, a light bright. Yeah, I, I love seeing the, these little things here and there that just remind me of those 80s because my sisters had all of that stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, Teddy Ruxpin and stuff like that. I, you know, I grew up with... You know, the video cassettes were in full force. Yeah. Cassette tapes. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the the cool music. I, I loved the music in the 90s. Mm. Um, they just don't make them like they, like they used to, you know. They certainly but, don't. But you know what? Someday when we're dead and gone, people who are our age now in like 2060 will be saying they just don't make them like they did in 2022. So. Right. The never-ending uh, cycle. All right, let's talk some big-picture football stuff here. Uh, the SEC spring meetings are going on down in Destin, Florida. Uh, no word if Jimbo, Sim Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban have tried to fight each other with a knife. Uh, but and I'm taking Nick Saban all day in that, by the way. Saban would, would, would just wipe the floor. I think there's only two guys in the conference that could maybe beat Saban in a fight. No, I'll take it back. Ordron's gone now. Only one. Only Sam Pittman would I take in a fight against Saban. Well, yeah. um, that said, one of the big they're, – they're discussing a lot of big-picture issues. Obviously, NIL is, is a big one, um, among other things. But the one that has my attention the most is how the schedule for the SEC is going to look when the new arrivals are here, when Texas and Oklahoma finally show up. We had talked a lot last year about the, the, the word pods that you would create some four team divisions for lack of a better word and sort of work from there seems like that's not going to happen uh, and the divisions are going to be gone one way or the other there's two main ideas for what the schedule is going to look like going forward there's an eight games conference schedule plan and a nine game conference schedule plan and it seems like, and then if the reporting from Ross Dellinger is to be believed, and knowing Ross as well as I do, it's to be believed, uh, that you can sort of drive an arrow between two halves of the SEC. The halves, if you will, Alabama, Florida, Georgia, LSU, um, I, would, I guess Texas A&M would be in that group. Probably Tennessee and Auburn are the other two. I don't, I don't, I, I don't say, you know, yeah of the current group, right? Because Oklahoma and Texas will join that group when they get there. That's the current halves. And then everybody else, State, Ole Miss, South Carolina, Kentucky, Missouri, Arkansas, who's probably the closest to being a half, uh, and then uh, Vanderbilt. Those are your have-nots. 
The have-nots would like to keep it at eight games. They see that, you know, and and for, for good reason. Eight games gives those teams the best chance year in and year out to be bowl eligible and to have chances for big seasons. They want to do a one plus seven model. So you would have one permanent. Guess who Mississippi State's would be? Ole Miss. And then, huh? Ole Miss. Oh, I thought you were going to say Kentucky. Yeah. Uh, and then se- seven rotating teams. So y- you would have four home games, four away games. And outside of Ole Miss, it would be different teams every year. The halves want to go to a nine-conference game model. Now, the first thing that strikes you about that is it means every other year you're going to have an odd number of home games versus road games. Some years you'll have five home and four away, and then the next year you'll have four away, four home and five away. And they want to go a three-plus-six model. So you would have three permanent opponents and then six rotating in and rotating out. Both of these solve the biggest problem for me, Robbie, which is you're playing, you're, you're, you're going 10, 12 years between seeing some of the locations. Mississippi State has not played at Florida since 2010, and they will not play there for another three seasons. 2025 is the next time, I guess it's four seasons technically, that the next time Mississippi State will play at Florida. Uh, State hasn't played at South Carolina since 2013. They will play there next year, so it'll have been 10 seasons since they played there, and so on and so on. So that's both of these things solve that issue. Just based off of if, if you were in charge of the SEC and they, they left the decision to you, Robbie, which of these two pro- plans do you like better? You know, I, I've, I've gone back and forth on this. I don't think that the nine-game SEC schedule is great for Mississippi State. Correct. But I, I, I do like the fact that it looks like we're about to venture away from divisions. I like just I like just lumping everybody and let's put the best two teams in the uh, conference championship game because um, very often recently it hasn't been the case because Georgia's been the second best team but a lot of times you have Alabama versus uh, somebody in the East that might be the fifth fourth or fifth best team in the SEC I, I like getting your best two teams in the conference championship game so I, I do like that the yeah. rest. The rest, I'm not, I'm not sure what the answer is. Like you mentioned, that the teams at the top seem to be uh, moving towards the nine-game SEC schedules. And then you have the ones at the bottom that uh, I think are probably going to venture more towards the eight games. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I don't know. I mean, I think it, it benefits Mississippi State for getting bowl eligible to play that extra non-conference team that you feel like you're going to get a good win against. But, you know, I think at the same time, it's I think it's better for the conference as a whole to have that extra game for for ticket sales, for television and all that stuff. Well, I think the SEC, if they keep if they kept an eight game model and they kept the rule in place about having to play a power five team among your four non-conference games, I think you can still get attractive matchups. But if you're Mississippi State, you would much rather be picking and choosing from the the mid-tier teams of the Big Ten, the Big 12, the, uh, the Pac-12, and the ACC, then basically being guaranteed, you know, Georgia, Texas A&M, uh, you know, LSU on a year-in, year-out basis. I think that would be better for Mississippi State. Um, if you go to a nine-game model, I would think the SEC will clearly drop that 
And then you're all three of your non-conference games are group of five or FCS games. You don't have, you're never going to have an attractive non-conference matchup ever again uh, for Mississippi state in that, in that situation. They'll play no, in FCS Al- teams. Alabama will and Georgia probably will. Yeah, they'll, still play, they'll still play their, their preseason, not preseason, but week one, you know, kickoff classic games and things like that. And then some of them will, will venture out into the, into the wilderness, but Mississippi state's going to play a Mac team, an AAC team and an FCS team every year, something I mean, like that. There's no reason to play any good non-conference teams whenever you're playing nine SEC teams, and you know six are probably going to be top twenty-five teams. Yeah. And so, so I mean, there's really no point. And so you're looking at a situation where you know Mississippi State has won f- more than four SEC games, I believe, once since. Uh, I mean, fourteen. Probably have to Today. go back. You, you go back further than that. I mean, Mullen in his second year when they went eight and four, they were four and four in the conference. Croom uh, in his one winning season, they were four and four in the conference. Um, so maybe ninety nine would have been the last time before that, where they, I guess, they would have been six and two in the conference. So twice since nineteen ninety nine, Mississippi State has won more than four games in conference play. Um, so if that were to hold up, you're looking at, you know, kind of a, you know, seven and five is, is, is sort of your baseline. Whereas in not, if you keep the eight game model, you feel like eight and four is, is sort of a reasonable, uh, spot to make. In 98 and 99, they won six conference games. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Yeah, it is right. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, 14, they won six. Right. That's it. I find it strange that that. They they never won five. They like that's just yeah. they're either going to win four or six. Yeah, they they could, they could never find the sweet spot there. Four is like kind of their average. Maybe mm-hmm. three and a half to four is like their mm-hmm. average conference wins. Right. Well, I mean, and, you know, and and with a ninth game, they could probably get to five. Yeah, the one and seven situation also is going to set up a year where there could be a year where you maybe you play one of the top teams. Right, you're playing Georgia or Alabama. And then your other, you know, six games are Kentucky, Missouri, Vanderbilt, South Carolina. You know, you, you got a chance. That's where you have a chance to win five, six, seven conference games mm-hmm. and have a chance to be involved in, in what will eventually be a 12 team playoff. So, obviously, from a, a scheduling perspective, I think the 18 model benefits Mississippi State the most. The bad news is this if, if you think that that's bad news, the rich schools are going to win. Yeah, it's, the, nothing's going to change. I, I, the hierarchy I, will stay the same. I discussed this. We discussed it on Sports Talk Mississippi. If it truly is split, I think you could win. You could the, the lower the lower budget schools could win by telling Auburn something like, if we go through with three plus six, you will be the only school year in and year out that has to play Alabama and Georgia. Nobody else will have to play those two teams every year except for you. Is that and then they're. And then their other permanent would be who? Isn't it three permanents if you get a nine? Uh, yes, I, I don't. Re- I got. I'd have to go back and find Ross's. Uh, it's got to be somebody. It's got to be somebody that's not good because I mean you can't have Georgia and Alabama as your permanent and then have another, you know, like LSU or something. You know, like that's not right. fair. Yeah, I think L- Alabama was the school that had the, probably the toughest go at it, right? But they're Alabama. I mean, who has any right? But the three he had them having was was Auburn, 
Tennessee and LSU. But you're Alabama. I don't have any sympathy for yeah. you. You're number one. Everybody is. Well, t- they've been playing them anyway. Been, right. That's that's who they've been playing anyway. Exactly. States would be states would be probably. I I, I guarantee you, Bama would be on states. Right. No, no, they wouldn't no, be because they not. would have Auburn and Tennessee. So no. that would that wouldn't be that wouldn't be right. State so it would be three states three that Ross Kentucky, had. Ole Miss, and and it Texas was like, A&M. Texas A and M. Yes. Okay. Which honestly, when Texas A and M, you got to put you have to put Texas and Texas A and M's. Honestly, for Mississippi Arkansas. State in a three plus six, that's not that bad. That's pretty. It's good. Not that bad. That, Ole Miss that is, is a team that year in year out you feel like you can beat, yep. or you can at least you know they're going to be toss up games. Kentucky is the same way. And you've had the advantage on AM since Johnny Manziel left. Even yes. if you don't take out James, take out if you don't take that out. Since AM joined the conference, you're five and five against them. State had a terrible year two years ago. AM had their best season since Johnny Manziel was there. Mm-hmm. And it was like a two touchdown game. Now it felt worse than that, but it was still a two touchdown game. Right. So I mean it's that has been a that has been a really close ball game for the last decade. So that would not be a horrible setup for Mississippi State. Texas A&M is the one I'm really interested with. Um, you got to put Texas in there, mm-hmm. and, and I think you, Arkansas you as well. The, you put somebody from the East in there. So if that's the case, then State would not be involved in Texas A&M's permanent. Well, you, you, wait, who did you say Texas A&M gets other than Texas? Arkansas. I don't think they would get Arkansas. Why not? That's the old Southwest rivalry. Okay, okay. Been- I found it here. Let's let's just go through it. Okay, this is this is the the pods or not the pods, but this is the. Do you, three- do you think in the nine game d- does it have to be an East permanent as well? It doesn't have to be, but it's going to. be. I think that's point. probably what it's going to be. It probably will be. Like, uh, well, let's just go through it because LSU doesn't have an East permanent in in this thing, and South Carolina doesn't have a West permanent. Well, so- LSU. LSU's East permanent right now is who? Florida. Florida. Okay. So, so here's what here's what Ross came up with. And again, for the one plus seven, it's easy, right? State and Ole Miss are staying together. Auburn and uh, Alabama are staying together. Georgia, Florida are staying together. My guess is Texas, Texas A and M would see. I don't, that's the thing though. One one plus seven. I don't know that you get Texas, Texas A and M every year. Yeah, I think but you, I, I think I hope they keep they Texas do. and Oklahoma together. But I, I wish they would though. Oh, I, wish I wish Texas, they. Texas A and M. So just for Ross Bjork. Here's the here's the pods. Or not pods, but here's what Ross came up with for a three six. So Missouri, Oklahoma, Arkansas, South Carolina, Arkansas, Missouri, Texas, Kentucky. AM would get LSU, Texas, and Mississippi State. Texas gets Oklahoma, Texas, AM, and Arkansas. I mean, that's tough. Texas is getting tough. That's tough there. Oklahoma gets Texas, Missouri, and Florida. That's a great Every year matchup, Oklahoma. Oh, yeah, yeah. LSU gets Ole Miss, Texas A and M, and Alabama. Ole Miss gets State, LSU, and Vanderbilt. They keep their East permanent, basically. Somebody was going to get Vanderbilt every year, so yeah. you can't you can't complain too much. Well, Ole Miss has been getting that, and they right. actually have not been great every year against them. Right. State would have Ole Miss, Kentucky, and Texas A and M, so they keep their East permanent. They keep their in-state rival and Texas A and M. So again, you can't get away from the maroon versus maroon. Bama has Auburn, Tennessee, LSU. Auburn also gets Vanderbilt to go with Alabama, Georgia. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. Vandy has Tennessee, Ole Miss, and Auburn. Tennessee has Vandy, Alabama, and South Carolina. Kentucky would get State, Arkansas, and Georgia. Sucks for them. 
Georgia, Georgia gets Auburn, Florida, and Kentucky. Florida gets Georgia, South Carolina, and Oklahoma. South Carolina gets Florida, Missouri, and Tennessee. I can't, I can't wait for Oklahoma and Texas to get in the SEC. These are going to be great matchups. Man. I can't wait. And, and like we said, now we're going to start seeing State versus Florida and Alabama versus uh, Georgia and Auburn versus you know Texas. These matches will be happening every three or four years. So Ryan McGee, Ryan McGee just had a funny tweet. He I, said, I, I, have, I have no idea where the SEC scheduling model will end up, but I'm 100% certain Arkansas will still have the hardest schedule every year. Yeah, it's probably, yeah. They got screwed like two years in a row. They had, they had just awful schedules. Yes. Two years ago, that had to have been one of the hardest schedules of all time. It was. It was. And they came out okay. All right. So we, we think it's going to be 3-6. I like 1-7 better for Mississippi State. So you think about what, like, what could year one look like for Mississippi State. So let's look ahead. You know, if you go to fbsschedules.com, they have everything done. Now, the first thing we have to talk about, and we've mentioned it before, is you're going to have to probably drop some non-conference games. Like 2025 is the year we're talking about this possibly first happening, right? You're at Southern Miss. You have Arizona State at home. You have Alcorn State at home, and you have Northern Illinois at home. You're dropping Arizona State. You're going to have to buy out of that contract, which you know kind of sucks because you will have played at the, played at Arizona State the year before. You're just going to you're just not going to have that home game though if you yeah. have nine. Yeah, and so you have a year where Southern Miss, Alcorn, Northern Illinois, and then you have Ole Miss, Kentucky. And uh, Texas A and M, A and M, and then you sort of pick your way around the rest of the league. So you know, year one could be. So you need, let's say, let's say State gets lucky and they have the first draw, they get five home games. So let me try. I'm trying to think ahead. This year at this year at Ole Miss, odd year means that would mean Ole Miss is at on the is at uh, is at home. If you're assuming things stay the same, and Kentucky would be at home. So then you're at A and M. So you need three more road games. So you'd be, let's just say, at Missouri, at Oklahoma, and at Tennessee. And then at home you would have Arkansas, LSU, Vanderbilt, and Florida. That's kind of fun. Yeah. It's kind of fun to think about. You know, I mean, this, the this quality stuff of is- game is certainly there. This stuff is going to be extremely difficult for Mississippi State, but it's going to be fun. I mean, it doesn't get any easier, but this is life in, in the SEC. I mean, it just it is what it is, uh, and you got to deal with it. But for the, for the average SEC fan, no matter who your team is, you can't be more thrilled with what's happening here. I mean, this is, this is great for the entire college football fans. So um, – you know, I, I'm excited for it. I'm excited to see what happens. The games and the matchups are certainly exciting. The quality of football will be very good. But it, but Mississippi State, in terms of being a year-in, year-out bowl contender, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tougher. It's be tough. You know, you, you need Mike Leach to do what he does and elevate your program a little yeah. bit. You know, because starting in 2025 when they go to this, it's going to be tough if they go to this six game this three six model. Now if they go to the one seven model, you should you should be fine. Should be fine. Yeah. Yeah. But three six is gonna you're gonna have to be a little better year in and year out than you are currently right now. I think state can do that. The problem is everybody is going to be trying to do it. Mm-hmm. 
everybody is going to be trying to, uh, to, to, to be better. So, it, you know, I know competition is, is a good thing, but for Mississippi State, you know, you, you want states, states' margin for error is just bigger or smaller, I should say, than everybody else, than a lot of other teams are. Yeah. And it's, it's always been tough for state, but yeah. luckily you, you've been grandfathered into the SEC. You've been here since the early 1900s. And I don't see anything changing as far as Mississippi State's status with the SEC. You're here. You're you got a seat at the table. You're getting uh, a cut of the pie. Be happy. And 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 also, you know, this NIL stuff. Like states, states got to jump on board and and keep pushing the Bulldog initiative and all this stuff. I mean, that states got to invest a little more here, and yeah. they have money to invest a little more. But the the fan base, everybody's got to got to continue to to push this this program forward or you're going to be kind of stuck in the back end. And you're about to have more money to expand into as well because once yeah. Texas and Oklahoma come in, once this new deal with ESPN for the SEC game of the week takes by, we're talking – I mean, we, we, we've broken down the numbers before here on this show and on Sports Talk Mississippi. In real dollars, we're talking about it should be another 50 to $60 million per school. Yeah. So state, just in their check from the SEC – their their recruiting but or their uh, athletic budget gets 120 million dollars or close to it. That's before you you give any private contributions, which is a good thing because as we've talked about before, you could see private contributions start to slide away from you a little bit as those go into NIL. But if it you could have it balance out basically, you could right. have okay, well we're getting less from our donors, but the SEC money coming in is better now. So well, we we talked about that too the other day. Mm-hmm. So. For a program like Mississippi State, which is not afforded the same opportunities as boosters at Alabama and A&M and places like that, at this point, you kind of have to make a decision as a booster, am I going to put most of my money with the Bulldog Club or am I going to invest in NIL? Mm -hmm. And in my opinion, the best thing to do right now is start pushing money into an NIL initiative. You have facilities. Facilities are fine. What what do those buildings matter if you don't have the athletes? Mississippi State's got to get the athletes. They got to entice players to come to Mississippi State to play in in that environment. And like you said, more money coming from the SEC, invest some of that money in some facilities if you have to. But it really feels like the push now needs to be away from investing in facilities and investing in the Bulldog Club as much and more into you have to you have to invest in this nil stuff. I mean, I mean that's have, and that's a tough decision to make. Stadium in the world, yeah. If you're not that, team's not good, that is a very difficult decision to make as a as a uh, booster. I'm sure. And that's what, I'm just glad I, I'm just glad I don't I don't waste it. And I do kind of consider that wasteful to spend money on sports. Yeah, and, and that that's just my opinion. I understand people. Do what they what they want to, and they love that. But pays to pays your salary. You better be careful what you say. I, I understand. I'm I'm talking about just like paying for players, boosters, well, spending all this thousands of month dollars. What's, what's going to be the players. interesting the interesting balance, Robbie? Is people make donations to the Bulldog Club, and in return, Mississippi State gives them better seats, mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. What are you going to do with NIL? Because you know. Mississippi State has to try to find a way to turn NIL donations into perks. Yeah. The good thing about the Bulldog Club is they can say anything. Is, is you know, The Bulldog Club can say, hey, if you come to this meeting, we'll give you points. 
And then at the well, meet, oh, by the way, we're going to ask you for money. That's where the, I think that's where, you know, now Mississippi State and NIL can work hand in hand now yes. a little more because of the change in the laws. And maybe you, maybe you can tie that into the Bulldog Club. Maybe the Bulldog Initiative, I don't know how all those laws work or whatever, but maybe the Bulldog Initiative allows you some points to be, you know, taken into your, on, into your dog tag or whatever. They're just, they're, I don't know. It's all out. Yeah, it is all way over my head right now. That's why I'm trying to sit down with Charlie Winfield and talk yeah. more with him and, and those guys because it's way over my head. And the, but it, it's the name of the game now, man. I talked about I can't understand paying for players and all that stuff. But that's the way it's got to be. You now. have to. I mean, you have to to compete on this level. Yeah, agreed 100%. You, the, the days of I'm going to give to the Bulldog Club, and that's how I help Mississippi State, kind of numbered a little bit. And Bulldog Club people, won't wanna, people who work for the Bulldog Club won't want to hear that, but it's what, what you know. I know the Bulldog Club goes for scholarships. I don't want to go into my whole. I have a whole rant about scholarships that it's just one. You're just taking out of one pocket to pay, put it in the other. Yeah. And how? I mean, there always are going to be scholarships. Yes. Because what are they going to say? Oh, we're not going to have scholarships. Well, then what are we doing? But somebody's got to pay for school and food and all that right. stuff. But it's going to turn into you know the money has has you got to go to the players directly because that's that's how they're going to want to come to Mississippi State. So. Yeah, we'll see. It's unfortunate, but that's how it goes. I don't even know that it's unfortunate, to be honest with you. Well, I don't have an issue with the players. Getting, no, I, I don't have a problem with players money. getting getting paid or whatever. But it's it's moving towards that is that is the enticing thing. Like it's not right. I don't think we're seeing, and we, this is a whole other argument. But I, I mean, th- there's players now that are telling. Like I think Paul mentioned the other day, some kid told him, "I'm going to go wherever I get paid the most money." Like, well, I think what it's going to be is, and that's I could kind be of a silly. That's kind of a. It is like no offense to the kid, but that's kind of a silly line of thinking. It, Why are you not looking to go to a place that's going to develop you, the place where you can start right away? Right. I mean, it's turning into where can I make where can I make money? Who's going to give me money? I would you know? say that, you know, because if it, were, it was if it was like I'm not one of these guys who goes in the whole employee employer, is it a job? Whatever. If it was a job, I would always be like, okay, I want to make the most money. Right, I, I, all of the things aside, I just want to make the most money. But that's because it can be a job that lasts me 10, 20 years. This is three, four years of your life. Yeah. And that's what sets you up for the rest of your life. So what I would say is guys need to still in, look at the recruiting process from a, a, a standpoint of coaching and development. And facilities plays a role in that for sure. You want to play in big games. I get all that. NIL needs to be something that's like, okay, can I have – the the things that I was going to have before and also make money while I'm there. Yeah, no, I'm I'm perfectly and I I've always been on board with players getting paid for for the work that they put in. Yeah, if you're I a mean, five, it's, it's been kind of ridiculous that these guys make millions of dollars for university and get for universities and get absolutely nothing but a scholarship. Which a and that, that's player. not to be devalued. I mean, that's right, right, a, right. that's a huge thing. But I'm right. just saying. You know, I did those videos for Crowd Push a few weeks ago, yeah, and just talked to those guys and learned about how much time and effort and what they get from the scholarships. And there's a lot of things that they can't pay for, well, and they can't get jobs that, either. If you're a five-star player and you pick Texas A&M over Alabama because of the NIL deal, that's fine. Yes. Texas A&M is a good program; they'll get you to the NFL. Blah blah blah. But if if you're strictly going by money. And for some odd reason, I mean, I'm going to just pick a random-ass school here, but Miami of Ohio 
could come up with more money for you than Alabama does. But Alabama will take you. But you go to Miami of Ohio because you just got more NIL money. That's dumb. Yeah, that's pretty silly. Now you've made a mistake. That's why I always look at it. So, yeah, we'll see how it all pans out. Interesting discussion, though, for sure. Not that not a discussion you should have every day, but one you can have every now and then. Yeah, some people talk about it way too much. Way too much. (laughs) All right, let's move on into the second half of the show. That's brought to you by our good friends over at the Mississippi Beef Council, who want to remind you that beef, it's what's for dinner. Cooking out this weekend, going to be, you know, it's going to be hot, but it's going to be nice and sunny. Well, I would tell you to get the uh, the grill out and fire it up and put some beef onto the grill. Nothing beats the sizzle of beef on the grill. Steaks, burgers, and everything else that's great. Some red meat is what you want to eat this weekend. Go to msbeef.org if you're looking for recipes or if you're just looking for more information about our beef producers here in the Magnolia State. Beef, it's what's for dinner. Thanks to our friends. At the Mississippi Beef Council. We're going to Two Brothers tonight. Yes. Tonight it's happening. So just gonna go ahead and let you know, let those guys know if you're listening. Maybe smoke a few extra wings. Maybe cut up a little extra pork belly for Robbie. And he'll be it. We'll be good to go at Two Brothers. It's just a great time waiting to be had. When you're in Starkville, if you don't make a trip to Two Brothers, I don't really know what to tell you. Make it happen. Put it on your list of things to do. Two Brothers Smoked Meats over in the heart of the Cotton District. Great products, great service. That's what it's all about at Advantage Business Systems. And we know that's a promise everybody else makes. But I think 47 years of being in business kind of lets you know that they mean it at Advantage Business Systems. Unless you just think they got lucky. Unless you think they just stayed in business for that long with a roll of the dice. You know that that's not the case. When you have products that you need for your business, You want to buy them from Advantage Business Systems because they have the best selection and they also guarantee the best service. They're talking about not not talking about being on hold. We're not talking about waiting a week. We're talking about same day service in a lot of of instances and 48 hours is really pushing it sometimes. Call them at Advantage Business Systems and put them to work for you. 601-362-9192 or visit them online at absms.com. Find out how Advantage Business Systems will help your business do business. All right, let's uh let's play the song. All right, let the process begin for Mississippi State baseball. We've been seeing guys going in going into the portal from Mississippi State. Now we see a guy coming out of the portal to Mississippi State from the University of Memphis. uh, First team All-ACC right-handed pitcher Landon Gartman uh, from the Tigers is now going to be a Mississippi State Bulldog. Seven and one in his uh, first year at uh, Memphis, which was last season. 3.56 ERA, 86 innings pitched. This is the number that I like, Robbie. 94 strikeouts to 29 walks. I was named the AAC's newcomer pitcher of the year Robbie it's all this is basically the template that you sort of lined out for Mississippi State to go out and get this kind of player the dominant top tier player at a smaller conference those guys should be lining up at the at the gates to play for Mississippi State this is a good pickup for the Bulldogs yeah not only that a guy that you saw that dominated your lineup I mean if we remember 
I was at AutoZone Park that night whenever Chris Amonis had to go out there and get thrown out of a ball game to get Mississippi State fired up in that game. I forgot he got thrown out in that game. But also, Gartman was the starting pitcher who had shut them down. He had uh, given up two walks, I think. He had given up, I think, no hits and no runs in his four innings pitch. And he is their be- he was their best pitcher this year. That was their best guy. Mm-hmm. Three five six was tops in the uh, on the team. I think he had the most starts on the team. Uh, led the team in innings. Led the team in strikeouts. So this was their guy, and this is a guy that loves Mississippi State. Grew up loving Mississippi State. He's proven himself on a, at another program uh, in, in Division One, and he did it against your team. Is this is a no brainer to go out there and get a guy like this? And I talked to him uh, right after he committed. He was thrilled to be a Bulldog. I mean, he grew up uh, going to school. He went to Enterprise down there towards South Mississippi. Just a good old country boy uh, that loved Mississippi State, and nobody knew he existed, basically, in high school. And then you go look at his numbers at Enterprise, and you're like, how did this guy escape? I mean, he was was incredible at Enterprise uh, during his career. There are 451 strikeouts and 233 innings in his career. Uh, and it was 24 and one in his career as a high school player. Goes to Pearl River uh, again. Nobody really knew who he was, and he just went right down the road to Pearl River, and had a really good career there. He was the uh, state's player of the year in JUCO. He was the D2 JUCO national pitcher of the year, and um, has really just fallen under the radar. But he's been good everywhere he's been. So I like, I love this pickup. I like the stuff he's got. He's he's hurling about 92. Uh, with his fastball, mm-hmm. but I think we get caught up in, in velocity way too much. 100% agree. I, I need to see location and movement, and the guy's got it. He can locate, and he can move. Um, and he's got four pitches that he throws. He says he feels comfortable throwing all four of them at any part of the count. Change-up slider, curveball, and a four-seam fastball. That'll play. That'll play. The, the stuff he's got will play in the SEC – and I see him as a weekend starter for Mississippi State right away. He should come in and contribute and be a good weekend starter for Mississippi State immediately. Guy can throw four pitches for strikes. State had guys last year who couldn't throw one pitch for a strike. So that's an improvement. And, and, and you used the word there, I think, that we know Lamonis loves, right? Competes. Loves that yes. word. And so yes. a guy and who that's what you're. Those are the guys you're about to see come in from the portal. You're mm-hmm. going to see those guys that have a um, – a strikeout to walk ratio that's extremely high. Yeah, this is almost three um, to one. Yeah. So yeah. And, and and with the innings pitch, twenty nine walks and eighty five innings or whatever it was, that works on any level. That works. So and that's what you're looking for now. You're looking. Uh, you you you're, you've struggled with location velocity. Mikey Tepper had velocity. He couldn't throw strikes. It doesn't matter if you cannot throw the ball across the plate. And I, I think this guy's going to do it. Reminds me a lot of Preston Johnson, but I think his stuff is even better than Preston's. Um, he I doesn't mean, have the velocity. Would take that on his, all day. Oh yeah, he didn't have the velocity on his fastball that Preston has, but I think he's got better stuff uh, with his secondary pitches, in very very similar makeup from the size, from the from the personality to the competitiveness. If you get another Preston Johnson out of this kid, or even better, then you've won. Then you add in the news that a, another player has hit the portal that you seem pretty confident 
could possibly end up in Starkville. And that's Tulane's Ethan Groff. You might remember him from the series down there in New Orleans where he really tore up Mississippi State. Well, he tore everybody up this year. Hit 404 on the season, a slugging percentage of 709, an OBP of 503. So basically every he got on base every other at bat. That's incredible. Nine home runs, 15 doubles on the season. Just a, a big-time player. Now he's in the transfer portal. You and Ken, Kendall Rogers are sort of throwing out some hints on Twitter this morning. Do you expect to see him uh, as a Mississippi State Bulldog? I think State's in, in good shape. This is a name that I've been hearing for two weeks now, and he just entered the portal today. So I, I think, you know, there's there's been talk behind the scenes that this could be an option for Mississippi State. And – um would be another tremendous get for the Bulldogs. I think very similar impact-wise to R.J. Yeager mm. uh, in the lineup. Maybe not from a power perspective, but a guy that could bat 350 maybe in the SEC. I mean, at top of the lineup guy, State was missing that for the majority of the season until Yeager kind of took that over this year. They need a tab- table setter. They need a guy that hits for average, that gets on base and things like that. The, and, and he also locks down one of those outfield spots. The one thing that you have to watch here with him is the draft um, because I, I do think he's, he's interested in the draft. If, he, if he's a top 10-round guy, then you're probably not going to get him. But he's keeping his options open, playing it the smart way here. Um, you're hitting the portal because the portal closes in July. Right. And you're no longer able to recruit those players, and those players aren't able to, to enter the portal, I don't think, at least not in play the next year. Um, I'm not sure of those rules completely, but uh, either way, like shortly after or right before the draft or something, there's some kind of deadline, and that's going to make things really difficult on coaches and players alike recruiting. They need to to fix that. But uh, anyway, I think that's what Mississippi State's battling more than anything right now because I I do feel like they're in the driver's seat for this kid. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of one of those wait-and-see things with the draft. I think that's – that's going to become more prominent now as uh, the transfer portal and the draft coincide. It's just a situation where, you know, you just want to have that landing spot. You just want to, you know, that, hey, if it doesn't work out in the draft, I'm good to go. I've got a good spot. So, we'll, you know, Mississippi State fans are used to sweating out the draft for recruits. Nothing new there. Uh, But for portal guys, it'll be a little different because you know these are instant impact guys. Groff is a guy, like you said, who would come in next year and almost certainly – Probably you know, be that center fielder you're looking for next year, but at worst would be in left with Kellum and right, and they still have to figure out center field. I'm very intri- intrigued isn't the right word, but I'm very – and excited's not really the right word either. I don't know what the word is, but following the portal for baseball this year is going to be very interesting, I, I feel, because I, 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 I want to see – you know, we've said all along in Mississippi State that once they had uh, – the national championship in in the back pocket, it was going to be tough to stop them on the recruiting trail. Well, we're about to see that for sure. This will be the year to do it because if, I, if I'm in the portal and I saw what Mississippi State was last year, my thought process is I can go play for one of the top programs, if not the top program in the country, and I have a great – I should be an immediate starter because they don't have a ton there. Yeah. And, you know, I, the thing – I think that they can they can get some great players in this transfer class that can help them right away. The thing you have to be very delicate with here is on your roster management, 
you can't load up on all these transfers and then lose them, and then you're completely redoing your roster next year again. The, I think baseball is going to be a little different than some of these other sports like mm-hmm. football and I basketball, agree. especially basketball, where you can just get a new team every year. It don't matter. That's going to happen, yes. Baseball, they're going to have to develop some of these high school guys that they have coming in. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to hit on those guys. And we're already seeing some of those guys are not working out. We've already seen four or five recruits that have dropped off and are going to junior college or going somewhere else that were that you know is basically is showing you that they haven't developed like the coaches would have want them to to come in and make an impact but you're going to have to get you're going to have to hit on those guys they're going to have to get those those guys to school too that are of uh, draft risk so this is a very pivotal moment for Chris Lamonis shaping the roster for next year, but also making sure that you're shaping your roster for the future because this is going to be a difficult thing to do to turn this roster all the way around and get you right back into national contention next season. Yeah. I mean, th- we're, we're talking about an almost total roster change over here. You're, using a, you're losing a lot of major contributors to the draft or to graduation, and you're also basically cutting, and, and that's – you know, the, the best way to put it, um, the, these guys that are hitting the transfer portal, those guys are getting processed out basically because they weren't good enough. So it's uh, this is a pivotal moment for Mississippi State. They're about to have a brand-new roster, and they've, they, they've got to hit here on the portal this year, but they've also got to make sure that these guys coming in behind them are going to be able to compete for, for future spots on this team and make a difference. Agreed 100%. Yeah, yeah, can't disagree with anything you just said, so – Gonna be interesting to, to, to keep up with, but a good start for Mississippi State in the portal, and we'll see how it goes. Expect, I mean, like we said, expect five, six, seven more names like this for, for the Bulldogs over the next uh, few, few weeks and months. So, good start though. If, yeah. if you're getting first team, but and these, this is the this is the one of the conferences that I would hit. Yes, the a, sure. AAC. AAC. They have some really good teams. Conference USA. I was going to say the Sun Belt. Those Sun are the Belt. You those teams. Sure. You know. Some of those OVC players are really good. And, I mean, so that, the SOCON, obviously, has got some players in it, too. Ask yeah. R.J. Yeager and, and Sonny Deshera, So I'm just – I'm finding the conference players of the year, first team, pitchers, hitters, guys that are, that are uh, you know, getting on base, driving in runs. These are the players that, that are going to come in and help you next year. And I, I think State's got to get those. But, again, they've got to be able to hit on this class, too. Agreed. All right. We'll be back tomorrow to wrap up the week. Uh, we'll have a few things to talk about here. Also, just uh, some programming news. We've got about a couple of months here. But when we get to 50 days, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, I got a countdown we're going to do, or maybe not a countdown, but however you want to look at it. But we're going to do the 50 greatest games in Mississippi State football history. Oh, now I did something like that a long time back on the BNB show. But obviously, a lot of great games have happened between then and now. So we're gonna we're gonna rank them. I'm gonna rank them. I will take Robbie's input. We we will come up with a uh, a ranking, and uh, you're welcome to debate us over that. So I think we I know that when we did it before, I did it before. Number one was obviously six three, Mississippi mm-hmm. State Alabama. Will there be a new number one? I think there's a good chance that's the case, but we'll see. All right, guys, have a great Thursday, and Robbie, I will be back with you on Friday for Robbie Falk. I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi.
Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.